Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. The Nepalese meditation bowl is chiming, and that means it's time for the art of the CEO. The show for people who enjoy the challenge of business and who want to do it a little better. I'm your host, Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. And whether you are an exquisitely talented lass who has turned her Celtic violin music into an exhausting successful career like Elka, or a gentleman who doesn't let a little problem like blindness keep him from running one of the nation's top talent testing corporations like Herb, we're here to bring you the sage counsel of business masters to help your career and your business. Now, every day, every I'm sorry, every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, The Art of the CEO streams live right through the mystery of cyberspace and into your cyber door so that every show may be downloaded by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. That's blogtalkradio.com, The Art of the CEO. I love the rhythm of that. Anyway, I invite you to visit and explore for your benefit. And today's episode is entitled, All Voices on Deck, The Necessity of Diversity. Yes, today we're going to lift your vision. We are going to broaden your perspective and we are going to gently yet firmly guide you through the true benefits of bringing women and men, engineers and human beings, Irish and those who would like to be all the people of all backgrounds into your managerial mix. We are talking the necessity of diversity for your own company's survival. And let me tell you, my friends, we are not talking why you should hire women or minorities or others because it's nice and proper and fair. We are way past that, folks. We are talking enlightened, raw self-interest. We're taking fresh matches and putting them into your survival fire. And here to help your company thrive and flourish, we have the author and leadership leader and C-suite veteran herself, the head of the much-sought-after consulting business, Ms. Rebecca Schombau. Uh, but before uh, we help you don the shiny new mantle of diversity and get your company healthy again, let us take a moment to supply you out there with a few utensils for the Feast of Wisdom that is about to come. Now first, as I always do, uh, allow me to remind each of you individuals hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. And that's the most important position you'll ever hold in your career. So I ask, will this be the day that you take a look at the co-workers around you and um, see that more want to help than hurt you, perhaps even lend a helping hand with no expectation of payback? Or will this be the day that you continue to peer over the barricade and see everyone else as a competitor? The choice is truly yours, and I bring that up to you. Now, secondly, as a second utensil, it's time to dip into a little laughter and take a scriptural recitation from 101 Best Business Quips book. So let me grab the book here, thumb down, head to the back. Okay, this is 94. You'll like this. There's an investor born every minute, and alas, there's also five funding-starved entrepreneurs born within that same time period. So, as an afterthought, allow me to remind you that the dance between investor and entrepreneur is subtle and complex, with a host of others waiting to cut in. 
That's to line up a full dance card beforehand and test your steps at home with a disinterested but insightful friend. Just a thought. And as our third utensil, perhaps we should call this day's utensil the corned beef slicer, we will give you the answers to last week's business quotation. Now today, before we leave the air, we will bring on uh, another quotation, and we invite you to email us the name of the author, as you believe him or her to be. Simply write info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you're right, we'll send along to you a marvelous gift from the dungeons of the Bart's Books bookstore. Who knows what lurks down there. So, the author of last week's quote, the individual who said, I don't worry about the GDP, not when there's so many other confusing combinations of letters to be concerned with, was none other than the iconoclastic author of, among others, Don't Buy This Book, by Mr. Jared Kintz. So now, uh, let us dig into today's feast and allow me to introduce to you the lady who will help you get a little more profitably diverse, Miss Rebecca Schombau. Becky, how are you doing today? Well, hi, Bart. Great great to be with you today. I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Um, I uh, just wanted to ask you right off, uh, does the Shambau clan hold any Irish blood within it? (laughs) Well, I'm sure there is uh, somebody on our team that has some some, uh, Irish background and heritage, um, so we should celebrate... uh, celebrate this day for sure for the Irish, but uh, uh, personally not myself. Ah, yes. I'm afraid I'm I'm one of, I also am one of those mixes that uh, gains most of its Irish from a glass, and very joyfully at that, I might add. So, um, at any rate, uh, moving on to the mainstream here, I I know that most of us probably think of you as the best-selling author with such books as The Leadership Style of uh, Hillary Clinton and most recently Make Room for Her. But uh, you've taken on women's business advocacy as a very to a very practical level with your consulting and coaching firm. So I was wondering, could you just just to start off, could you tell us a little bit about women in leadership and learning and the firm itself? Sure, I'm happy to, Bart. Um, well, I founded Shambaugh 20 years ago, Shambaugh Leadership, and it's a global leadership executive development consulting firm. And, and one of our core divisions, which is probably our, our strongest competency around the world, is our women's leadership division. And, and a lot of it started from my own passion, my own personal experiences, being a uh, woman manager, you know, uh, leader who was a female, then executive who was a female. But back in the the days when I was working at GM and Amex and another corporation, I was the only, if not one of the few women at the table. Um, and I saw so many women pass by for opportunities right. or um, would sometimes uh, sabotage themselves, to be honest with you, or, or some of the, you know, I would say outdated sort of cultural constructions of an organization uh, were holding them back unknowingly or unintentionally. And I was kind of, you know, thinking about what do I want to do when I grow up, Bart? You know, that was many years ago. Uh, and I thought, gosh, if I could have an impact to really help maybe, balance maybe out the leadership up, Becky, teams. But anyway, go ahead. If I could help balance out the teams and leadership and, and make a difference for women mm. leaders, that would be really terrific. So when I started Shambaugh, um, I thought this was an opportunity to really have my own personal impact for women. So we did quite a bit of research and gender studies uh, for a couple of years and then created a leadership model that was very integrated for men and women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we began yeah. as 
coach women and, and work inside these organizations with 100 to 150 to 200 at a time and began to take a deep uh-huh. dive into aspects such as communication and, uh, you know, strategic thinking and uh, leading teams. Right. And we found right. that there were some unique differences, but we also found that women um, could sometimes hold themselves back unknowingly. And so we created well. Oh, I, you know, um, I think you're right there, Becky. I, I just want I think, and I really believe that, that you and I stand in agreement uh, when it comes to these kinds of opportunities. I know in our own book, Behind Every Successful Woman is Herself, we state that, uh, for instance, the good old boys' networks uh, that are held up as uh, so horribly uh, were really built to uh, include members that they trust, not to exclude someone different. And so here comes all of a sudden Miss Rebecca Schombaugh saying that it's not a glass ceiling but a sticky floor, a title of another of uh, her excellent books, by the way, folks. And in other words, the success lies not in our stars and not in the hands of others, but in that path that we forge for ourselves. Am I right? That's right. It, you know, it really kind of lies underneath our own feet, and the notion is that, you know, many life's obstacles, opportunities are achievable. It really is up to us to enable ourselves to achieve that, and, and obstacles are going to be in our way. But most of these obstacles that we can overcome. Right, right. I'm, I'm glad. I'm really glad to hear you say that, because I think people, the minute you start displacing uh, the, the solutions onto someone else. Uh, you have lost. You have set yourself on a, a very bad path, and it's something which, uh, for many people, there's not there has not come a return. Now, I know, Rebecca, I know that you've said to me, and you write in your books, that diversity is not anymore some kindly business charity. We're talking survival. It's a survival necessity. And now, suppose I have a board, my, uh, my company's board is eight white males from Ivy League schools, and my C-suite guys are pretty much the same. What am I missing? What am I not getting? Well, I, I think it's, you know, and studies will say that the more you have a diversity of thinking on a board, and you know, and in a leadership team or uh, any kind of a, an effort, in, the, in today's environment, the more rich ideas and perspectives that you're going to get. And I always say that what got us here is not going to get us there because the markets change, the customer <laughs> demands, our demographics and the work environment, and the complexities uh, based on environmental trends have just shifted and, and, quite frankly, continue to shift every week, right? So it, it requires right, us right. to really have that rich diversity of thought. And that, And I will say that, you know, a lot of organizations, institutions have diversity, but what happens is we haven't yet figured out how to integrate that, how to be inclusive and leverage the best of everyone. Uh. Now, the good news is, you know, Barton, you've probably read this and, and the listeners today, that we don't have to say, get on the, you know, our, our behind the podium and preach this because now studies indicate, such as McKinsey, that for or those organizations or leadership teams that have a gender diverse or I say gender balanced composition of, of members, um, they have a forty percent increase high level of EBITDA. Right? And then uh-huh. a almost a ten well, percent yeah. increase I mean, so. in return on investment. And you know, some will say that it's because we have women at the top, right? Well, I'll push back a little bit on that and it's not really women, it's the integration of men and women together, bringing the best and drawing out the best of each other. Well, I, I, I 
totally agree with you right there. And as a matter of fact, I would like to put that down as a quill pen moment. Ladies and gentlemen, we have heard a timeless truth from Becky Schombau, and I, so I would like you to take your pens and dip it in the inkwell and write this down that it is the blending of the efforts of men and women together that breed and foster the uh, bubbling fire of success, and that is what we're looking for. Becky, do you have a, a good positive anecdote of uh, just on off offhand about how diversity has really improved corporate performance and someone that you've witnessed? Well, I do, um, and, and I, there are, as I mentioned to you, much research out there. Um, you know, Catalyst, uh, an institution that focuses Excellent. solely on the, the research, uh, said that, w- that when you have more of women, more significant number of women at the top, it's 46% increase in shareholder value, and then you get into higher uh-huh. levels of, of engagement around the employee workforce. Um, now, you know, and, and we've seen that, you know, how we approach leadership in women is not to get women in a room and try to fix them. You know, we've been doing that for a couple of decades right. now, and, you know, it hasn't worked, has it? But so I think... What's, 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 what's what I love now is the notion. Well, you're talking that, an inherent flaw if you say six, <laughs> so I, I don't even like that premise to begin with. Yeah, so they have but, it. But there's a wake-up call, and I and I think what organizations are realizing now that it's we've got to look at this more in an integrative way, um, and, and and look at both the organization and what their role is, what the role of women is, and right. what the role of men men are, and the accountability factor for all of us. So y- you have to first, you know, really examine the culture. And and really, right. truthfully, ask yourself: Is this really advancing and promoting and holding people accountable for bringing out the best of one another? And I'll say diversity, but I think it's a little bit of a word that's fatigued right now. Um, I yeah, tend yeah. to use integrative leadership, but but inclusion is it really bringing out the best of others and making sure that we have that full representation? Because there is a compelling business case. You know, as one of our Fortune 50 clients said, if we don't start really having that diverse balance of folks at the table, i.e., and more women at the top, then we're going to be, right. you know, we're, we'll be losing market share. Because you know what? A lot of our clients have close to 80% of women at the table now, or 50%. So that's yeah. been a wake up oh, yeah. call for corporations to push this uh, as a key business driver. So that's number one. And, and they have to take that responsibility uh, to create and integrate those assumptions into the nervous system and understanding over the business case right. within the culture and hold their leadership team accountable. And then I think one of the biggest shifts I like that. that. I like the idea of the accountability that uh, uh, whether you're the CEO of Coke or the CEO of Pepsi, you've got to have your leadership accountable reporting and unleashing their best talents. I, I really get behind you on that. Yeah, and here's a great example, Bart. I was talking to an executive last uh-huh. week in Silicon Valley, and he said, well, uh-huh. you know, I'd, I've been looking for a diverse slate of people, but I can't seem to find them. But all he can right. see is what he believes, right? And so it's unintentional, but his optics are very narrow. So through the culture <laughs> yeah. and accountability now, we're opening up those optics as as executives, as team leaders to say, hmm, I really need that diverse slate of people for my sales team to really represent who our customers are. So I'm going to require all my team leads to have a diverse slate. And, of course, we'll pick the most qualified. But it has to be integrated in our day-to-day operations of how we think, how we see things, and then how we act. Okay, I think you're. I think you're right, and I think that this, it's something that we should take take heart. Uh, 
but I I'm gonna so I'm gonna ask you for a moment here now. Uh, let's swap the goose and the gander here. Uh, is diversity only a one-way street? What would you say to the woman business owner with all women on her board in her C-suite? Uh, have they got it right because they're women? Well, you know what? It goes both ways. You, you ask truly... me. I'm, I'm going to ask you. If you're going <laughs> to preach diversity, does it go one way or not? No, I, it goes both ways. I, I get back to that okay. balance and blend. And, and, and you know, in my book, uh, Make Room for Her, Why Organizations Need Integrative Leadership, I, uh-huh. there's this whole notion I created around 30% rule. Some say it's 27%. I'll round it off to 30%. But when you have okay. a 30% of a different style of thinking, you know, whether it's age, gender, right ethnicity, that's yeah, when you yeah, begin yeah. to see the magic happen, right, Bert? That's when you begin to see that positive shift of two things. Number one, people that were different, you know, that if you only had 10% uh, or 5% uh. of, would be looked at, they would be examined and scrubbed down everything they said, everything in terms of how they showed up, and they would be questioned. But then if you have that yeah, more yeah. 30%, stronger representation, you know, they begin to flow into the conversation. Their, their perspectives seem to be valued. And, you know, they are, they are engaged and invited into the conversation. And then the second component of that 30% rule is you have enough of that uh-huh. different voice perspective to start seeing a positive shift in the outcomes and things that you're really, you know, producing, uh-huh. as a, you know, whether it's uh, problem solving and decision making. So it, it doesn't – it goes – both ways, men and women. Um, and if I was coaching a woman right. on a, her board or executive team, I would ask her if it's all women. I would say, "Where's the balance here?" Yeah. Okay. I I'm glad to hear you say that. And uh, also, Becky, could you tell us just quickly uh, where folks might get a hold of a copy of Make Room for Her and uh, some of your other books? You can go right on our website, www.shambaltleadership.com, and there's a section okay. right there on the homepage for books. You just hit those, and you'll go right to an area that uh, you can um, order those through our various account outlets. Um, we also have a, a discounted uh, option, too, if uh, uh, for those of you who want to work with Shambaugh and, and hire for speaking and things along those lines. But if you just go right to our website, www.shambaltleadership.com, uh, that's a great okay. way to, to direct you to those that's books. Good. And also, ladies and gentlemen, I might uh, put a plug that uh, if you go to bartsbooks.com, beginning within two weeks, we will also be carrying Becky's books. So uh, through the courtesy of publisher McGraw-Hill, with whom we are uh, currently partnering. Which leads us to, uh, in a fortuitous segue, to the midpoint of our feast. And so I'm going to invite us to take a brief survey. And it is time for me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that firm is Prometheus Publishing, the creator of, among others, uh, Bart's Books Ultimate Business Guides. And you may visit uh, bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and explore a wide wealth of practical business wisdom from the true masters. And Prometheus Publishing would like to invite all of those enjoying today's show to take a look at one particular book uh, based on the idea that the finest wisdom comes wrapped in little laughter. Business Quips, it's the source of the book, uh, it's the source book for the little quip you heard today. And if you, ladies and gentlemen, feel that you need a little laughter in your life, you may go to bartsbooks.com and subscribe to a quip for free and get every week uh, 
something to chuckle at in your business life, and heaven knows we all need it. Because humor, I've always said, gives us a different and a up uh, over perspective. The person who can look at it, who can say, reverse mergers are a bit like an elephant who allows himself to be swallowed by an old snake so that he may more easily slither into greener pastures, or someone who can say that the rich get richer but the informed buy them out. Little quips like that do bring in some wisdom. So I uh, invite you to go to bartsbooks.com and maybe even pick up a copy of the Quips book for your best beloved or your board member. We could all use a little laugh. So, ladies and gentlemen, and all those who are happily driving the snakes from their souls with a good mug of Irish beer, we are back with Miss Rebecca Schombaugh looking for further benefits from corporate diversity. And the thing I'd like to start off the second half with is uh, some changes that have been coming. Uh, Becky, in Europe, I'm sure as you know, governments are bringing a great gender inclusion pressure onto businesses. Portugal and Spain now have laws for that corporate boards must include certain percentages of women. And the New York Times reported yesterday that Germany has followed with a similar law of its own. And so my question to you is, I'm, I'm curious, do you see this as a good move? This law is a good move. Would you like to see the U.S. government follow suit on this? Well, I think it's certainly getting a lot of attention, and I think it's um, sometimes uh, I, I will say that it's probably waking up the United States in terms of, gosh, if we don't take the opportunity now as we have a choice to, to create uh, more diverse uh, gender-inclusive uh, environments, um, then somebody else very well might want to do that. And I know that there are uh, advocacy groups now in the United States looking at examining that, the same that Portugal, Germany, and some of the Scandinavian companies are, are doing right now. So I, I think it's a wake-up call for the United States, and I, I think there is conversation uh-huh. that's a buzz at the executive boardroom right now on this uh, and other external factors that are creating this pressure. But uh, here, here's my part, you know, bottom line on this one. We can create external okay. pressures and regulations, but you know, I, I, I haven't. You know what I what I don't want to see is put these pressures on there, but really not changing the system and the mindsets of people to value and see this as right. a, an important, not cause a good thing for women, but a good thing for business. Um, so regulations and legislations are are for good good for many different things, but they they really can't change the mindset and the culture of of the organization, and and the leadership intentions. And and so I think that. If we have to have these kind of pressures, then we have to have them. But I think that what has to work in parallel is to really the work needs to be done with inside the organization. And the in, and the wake-up call is really around our world, our planet, and how it's changed. You know, And it's a new right. world out there. And so if we don't adapt to change, if we don't start having a composition of people that start representing the kinds of demographics that we serve and our customers and our partners – and where the money bank is, quite frankly, which are are, are women, and have that better balance, yeah, yeah. then a lot of com- companies will, you know what, they'll survive, but they're not going to thrive. So I, I think it's a, it's yeah, a good thing, yeah. but also it can be a bad thing, if that makes sense. I didn't really <laughs> give you an exact question, answer here. but Well, uh, it's actually, you gave a very cogent answer because I don't, uh, I don't like the idea of anybody telling me whom I must have whom I must select for my board. At the same time, I uh, 
want to see I want to see diversity, but I'm not so sure that law is the vehicle for it. And, and it's not an easy question. It's not oh yes definitely or oh no. So I think you you uh, I appreciate your your full analysis and good perspective on that one. And um, so while we're in a shattering mode, I was wondering if you would join me in shattering the genderless business myth, uh, if you so believe. Uh, and by this, I mean the very fact that business requires diversity to survive and thrive is really an admission that generally men and women tend to approach business challenges differently. And there exists a healthy difference, and it, it goes all the way back to the Neolithic flint chippers, a theory of which, with which I will not fortunately bore you. But thank heavens, there is a great difference between ladies and gentlemen in our, and their attitudes toward business solutions. Am I right? What do you think? Well, there are there there is a difference, and and uh, I'll tell you where fundamentally where that starts. And, and you know, that I will just say the most important message around this: it's a good thing because we need that diversity in right. today's. Environment. We need that in our families. We need that in our communities, our organizations, and marketplace. Right. So I think it's a good thing. And as opposed to saying, "Wow, that's we don't talk about it in those differences," but I think it's now we're we're realizing yeah. that they are value. But I think fundamentally there are differences, and they a lot of that stems from the um, research. And you're going to see a lot more of neuroscience research that the male and female brain are are different. Um, now there is a 20% factor there, 19, 20% that. Uh, Men and women, sometimes a woman may have very similar dimensions and, and attributes of, of a male brain, So, and vice versa. Sure. So that may not be totally uh-huh. a black and white uh, data point there, so I want to stress that. But generally, uh, men have, if you will, just taking a very simple, uh, more uh, neuron cells on the left hemisphere, which left hemisphere tends to be more that linear task orientation um, if right. you will, uh, you know, data-driven, manufactured uh, type of uh, thinking. And uh, women tend to have more uh, brain cells, neurons on the right hemisphere, which, you know, really taps into our emotional aspects. I think men and women both have emotions, but women tend to be able to express that more, may have a higher degree of emotional right. intelligence. Um, and that really helps to bring out more of the languaging, processing, and, and how they think through things is much more integrated and interconnected. So if you can imagine highways, you know, men's highway runs, you know, north and south, where women's highway and neurons, you know, circuits run east and west. So they tend to cross-integrate right. from the right to the left, right. which, right. yeah, it can seem like they're ruminating sometimes. And men will say, gosh, Sally, can you can you make this decision? You don't seem to be strategic enough, but she's thinking of all the different interconnected parts there. But um, right, right. so there are some differences. But if you think about integrating yeah. those, it's a good thing when you're uh-huh. really looking at change or looking at new ideas and fresh perspectives and making sure that you've unturned every rock that you need to look at. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I I think that's I think it's true, and I that's a, a nice response. Now, what about? the uh, masterful leader and perhaps our next president, Hillary Clinton. You literally wrote the book on Mrs. Clinton's uh, leadership style. Could you give us a couple of her individual strong points? Well, yeah, and these are just not from my view. I interviewed close to a number of different people. I chose not to interview her to keep an objective, non-biased approach, but I interviewed people from her childhood Good day idea. college yeah. to um, – you know, Arkansas to the White House to, you know, outside now right. in the Senate. So a lot of things. And here are three common themes I found from uh, uh, 
Hillary Clinton, number one, and, and not a surprise, um, she has this extraordinary um, capacity of resilience. I mean, you think about it, Bart, she's been through some, some highs and she's been through some lows in her life, but she seemed to true, navigate um, herself through those. Um, and, and and that's really critical for any leader in today's environment, you know, is to have that resiliency and being able to um, navigate through difficult oh, times and be able to see, uh, you know, change is a good thing and uh, propelling right, change. Right. Not only a change player, but embracing the change. Um, so I think that resilience is incredible. I think the other thing, she is astutely... Uh, and, and smart, intelligent. She she reads up. She is a I would just say a continuous learner, learner. Which, you know, sometimes when you don't see her, you don't hear her for a while. She's she's reading yeah, a book, yeah, right. studying. Uh-huh. She's behind closed doors, and she's <laughs> not only preparing, but she's she's the engine she's never stops. You just don't hear it. Yeah, she's always thinking. She's trying to learn, and uh, I think she learned a lesson um, earlier on that she's got to be open to other people's views. And so I think she's continually learning to hear what people are saying, but also she wants to be an expert in certain areas, and and I think that's just her uh, intellectual sort of capacity, if you will. Um, The the other thing that I I have learned about Hillary um, in, in the interview is a common theme um, I will say uh-huh. this is that she the common theme from all the interviews early on since she was a little girl she really did believe that she wanted to have and she could have an impact on this planet um, whether it was Secretary wow. of State or whether it was Senate or whether it was First Lady of Arkansas or whether it was you know helping to chair and uh, women's uh, international um, efforts to make this a better world for for women all over the world and emerging companies countries oh. so she really did believe in her heart she could make things better and I think. I think that's something. Yeah, I think that's something that that you can catch that fire, you can see it, and you can deal with it. You you can uh, it just radiates from her, and I think you're absolutely right. And I, I, Becky, unfortunately, we are coming to the end, and I have so much more I want to talk to. Will you be? Would you be willing to come back another day? Oh, I would love to. I've enjoyed this, and I'm sure we'd have a lot more to talk about, Bart. Oh, we're we're just we're just getting started here, so hopefully we'll be able to have you back uh, real soon. And uh, again, I want to thank you for all of the insights that you've given us today. So, ladies and gentlemen, as we round out the show, I would like to leave you with uh, today's business quotation: Who was it who said, "The wise are those who realize that the bottom line does not have to be their top priority." And as a hint, this poet, this poet and proverbial proverbist found the succinct path towards wisdom in his own way. And remember, if you know the author, uh, the name of the author of this quote, I just jot it down and send that to info at bartsbooks.com, I-N-F-O at bartsbooks.com. And finally, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, the most, the wonderful and most terrifying thing about business as usual is that it never is. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.